I recently completed an executive MBA through the University of Cape Town's Graduate School of Business. Because we were doing this during the COVID-19 pandemic, most of our classes were online and I didn't get a chance to really understand what my fellow students were doing their research projects on. So this series of podcasts is about understanding what my fellow students were spending their last six months on and what they were grappling with. And so I can share their research topics with the rest of the class as well and with whoever else is interested in it. This morning, I'm speaking to Moritz Fenzer. He is the person in our class who won the award for the research project that most embodied the spirit of the MBA philosophy. So I'm looking forward to speaking to Moritz this morning. Welcome in the studio this morning, Moritz. Thank you, Petra. Please introduce yourself and tell us a little bit more about yourself and why did you decide to do an EMBA? I'm a, I'm a scientist uh, by training. I started studying human genetics pre-grad and... Um, I was always intrigued during those years when I started intrigued by the business of of science, business of specifically biotechnology, and that's major in, influence from the from the U.S. from activities in the U.S. mapping the human genome and companies like that. So I I decided this is something that I want to pursue, that I want to be in and be involved with, uh, especially with this almost love for science that I'm that I that I realized I, I have and uh, and yeah so I after at the end of my postgrad studies I, I started a biotech venture a biotech startup and um, during that time you know doing science as well in the lab and also writing business plans and pitching to investors and raising uh, money and all the entrepreneurial startup uh, stuff that you do during the valley of that they call the startup valley of death. You know, I, I, I've done quite a few short business courses that I thought, look, I've, I've specialized in, in science, but I really need some business expertise. And I've done these business courses at various business schools, but, um, two courses I did at UCT GSB, uh, finance for non-financial managers. And the other one was a project management course. And, um, it was during that time that, uh, I heard about the, the executive MBA course, um, and I thought this is very intriguing. You know, it's something different. And it was only ten years later that, uh, yeah, I, I went to an information session on this course when they highlighted the idea that this is not just information that you memorize and regurgitate to get a mark. Uh, this is something that you implement in practice. This is something that that you really. It's real life, the real data that, that they evaluate you on uh, in your business. I thought this is fascinating and yeah, I decided let, let's go for it. This is what I want to do. Yeah, I mean, it's it's an immensely personal transformation journey. Um, it's not just learning about um, systems thinking and viable systems modeling and complexity yeah. and all of those sort of things. I think you as a person go through a, a, a big transformation during the two years. What did you Absolutely. find most helpful over the two years? What I found mo- most helpful, in in addition to the to the idea that everything is in practice, the, the idea that you know the models and the frameworks that that you and I've learned, that you then implement that in your business and see what the outcome is. Um, that was overall a, a very useful all through all the blocks, a very useful exercise. But I would say the psychology, the mindfulness, the philosophy, that part of this whole course. That played an immense role in in my my development of I would say the overall development of of the self as they or of being 
to me, that was very helpful to, to, to see how I can orientate myself within the complexity and uncertainty where I'm now uh, operating in, in my business. Yeah, I mean, I also found the position papers we wrote in every block or every course, you know, that the, from a practical perspective, just applying that immediately back into your workplace. And that helped me to grow and also eventually get promoted, I guess, or, or find a new job halfway through, just through really understanding my position in the world and my impact on the people around me and, and what I could do to influence people. But then what you did is you took your reflective practice, which for me was the most helpful, definitely all of the reflective practice and mindfulness and journaling. You took your reflective practice to the next level uh, for your research paper. So tell me, how did you decide how to, which topic to focus on in your research project? Yes, that actually it came out of a, a concept or a phenomenon that I was intrigued with during our strategy block. The topic came out of a strategy assignment and within this assignment, I, f I focused while I was developing the, this, this, while we developed the theory of strategy, this whole idea of actions that are, that need to be taken in, in, to achieve a desired outcome or maintain a desired state in business. And this word desire, it was sort of, you know, I, I was intrigued by that because it's something that you want to achieve. But what is this? What is this desire? And I was drawn to this, to, you know, to this concept. So my theme for my, you know, I decided to take that out of out of the strategy paper and f and and, and yeah, go further with that. And that was the I wanted to know what this I called it the clarity of desire. And and how do you gain clarity of this desire? What is this desire? And uh, yeah, it started there, Pietro. It started out of that, and that was I took a chance actually with this topic. And luckily, the the, the lecturers and um, you know they accepted this. Obviously, I had to add my whole bioentrepreneurial practice to this topic. Um, the, and I've, I've added to the title, Finding Orientation with Growth, Meaning and Resilience. And the resilience part was actually the important part because that came out of real my real life experience is why do you still stay in the game? How can you sustain entrepreneurial action if this oscillation between passion and fear of, fear of failure is consistently there? You know what? What is it? And I called it the desire. Um, it's, it's as if it was this constant line going through these oscillations of passion and fear of failure. And yeah, that's the topic that I thought. Okay, this is what I want to take forward. Yeah, and, and what did you think you knew about desire and this topic before you started? What did you yeah. think you knew, think you knew about it? <laughs> well, not much. I, I I knew that out of the theory for strategy. I, I thought and I focused on all these blocks, all our assignments played a role. Um, the small win concept and the uh, uh, performativity versus um, re representational knowledge, um, the science of the unknown, all of those things played a role. But what I, I didn't know that there were so many definitions or ontologies we have to use. We, we've also learned quite a, a lot of new definitions and and phrases. So these, the ontologies of desire, I didn't know there were so many. But what I did know was there's something in me. It's a feeling. And I think this came out of some of the, the, the mindfulness lectures, the idea that what is this pressing on your, you know, and the, the heartbeat and what makes you feel excited about this, the emotions. And I knew this was it. This was something that makes me feel like that. So I knew the feeling, the felt sense, but I didn't know the, on the academic side, you know, what, what this would entail. 
Yeah, so tell me a little bit about how your research methodology. I know it's not that interesting for people who are not busy studying at this point in time, but I think it might be interesting to um, others who are considering doing an EMBA. What research methodology did you follow? I, I used a research methodology that was proposed by my, my supervisor. Um, it was, it's called practical rationality. And it's actually a great concept. The idea is, and it's, it's a, the idea is while you are in the flow of practice, and I, we've, we've done, we've done now the, the idea of what is a practice and strategy is practice, leadership is practice, but actually anything that you are involved with, any activity that you, while you are busy with others, other people or things, you take for granted, you are absorbed in it, you are immersed in it. You don't focus too much on necessarily on, let's say I'm working on the laptop or this, here's my desk and all of this, these things. You don't, you know, this is taken almost for granted, but there might be a temporary disruption or interruption. And they, the theory for practical rationality is, um, you can grasp the logic of your practice. Once you experience this interruption, they call it a breakdown. And it's in response to this breakdown where sense making happens. And all that is actually uh, that is, is a reflection. You stop for a moment. It's temporary. You stop, reflect on it. And it happens in business. It happens in with a, with a project that you are busy with. Uh, it can happen with anything that you are busy in the flow of what you are doing and suddenly it stops. There's an interruption. And this, this interruption can be, um, something un- unintended, unexpected. It can be a massive you know, thing in business that happened or it can be de- deliberate. It can be a deliberate intervention uh, that you decided, oh no, I, I'm busy with this project or busy with this activity, but I'm, I'm deliberately stopping this. And due to that small interruption, and you reflecting on that, the idea, the, the logic of this theoretical framework is, or the, the idea of the theoretical framework is, it's there where you make now sense of your environment. And it's based on the philosopher Martin Heidegger of his philosophy of, we are always in, he calls it entwinement. We are always entwined with others and things. And you are absorbed in that. And once there's a breakdown, sense-making happens while you are reflecting on that entwinement. And that is how you then grasp the logic of your practice. That was the framework. Okay. And then yeah. you, I know you did a bit of phenomenology and some reflections and what did you call it? Um, yes. Conjunctive theorizing. Tell us a bit more about that. Yes. Yeah. So it was based on trying to explain the phenomenon of desire. So it was, was phenomenology. And I used an autobiographical method, but it was a modified autobiographical method called auto-hermeneutics. And all that means is it's the study, it's the, it's the interpretation, it's the study of inter- interpreting my autobiographical narrative. And out of that, um, it was through, through reflective and conjunctive theorizing. I, I developed a theory for the clarity of desire. So what did you learn as a result of this research project? I've learned that I could articulate this creative force that I called a desire. I could articulate the, the elements that, that regulate um, this, this phenomenon. Uh, yeah, that was the major learning. And, and these, these, these elements allowed me to, to sort of identify, you know, what is, what is going on when I feel, when I feel this way and going for, in, in sustaining this bio entrepreneurial action and this, 
force to support the world that, to accept what shows up in response to, to my environment and to, to see this reality meaningfully. What were the, the sort of major themes that came out of your study? So the, the major themes in response to, to the breakdowns using my theoretical framework were willingness, willingness to accept what unfolds, willingness to, to be rooted in reality, uh, significance and credibility. That was a theme. Um, I would call it, I called it strategic management and leadership potential, but actually that is skillful coping. That was a, a theme that came out. Uh, very, uh, some of them were quite surprising to me. Uh, relational connectedness. I found that during a breakdown, instead of holding it, you know, and, and go, almost going into a depression and, and, you know, not telling anyone, I told everyone. I, I told my stakeholders. I told my family. I, so I found that, that, that relieved the tension. So that was relational connectedness. Another one was emotional, sensory, and bodily expression. I, I didn't realize how powerful uh, that that theme was in 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 sustaining bio, bio entrepreneurial action the other one was love love for for science i thought when i started out was love for the bio entrepreneurial journey the action the stress the, the excitement the com- the combination of all those things but it wasn't it was actually the love for science i had the same feelings when doing an academic project versus an entrepreneurial project and then the last one that was the most surprising one to to me but it had at, mo- at almost the most basic themes to support it was aesthetic and linguistic appreciation. The idea of something that is beautiful, something, something with, with beauty, leading, be leading beautifully. The beauty of the, the, the modern biotech lab, the, the, the articles that I read, you know, from, from business, from magazines that highlight uh, biotech companies in the US, just the linguistic piece there, the articulation of it, that, that sense of excitement when I read it, the photos of those labs of the, you know, the, the, the science, that was quite a, something that, that was significant of, of these findings. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it sounds pretty surprising, you know, you wouldn't think that you'd come up with those sort of themes. And, and I sort of found the same with my own studies as well, is you, you go through the process, you trust the process, you do the research, and at the end, these themes emerge and you go, really? These yeah. things are going to be applicable in my life or in my industry, um, because yeah. a lot of these sort of themes came up in terms of leadership and the types of leadership that you need to progress, you know, and to, and to create a better world, I guess. And you go, you know, how can I apply this stuff? Because I work in the mining industry and you go, how do I apply this, these things in the mining industry? You know, so, yeah. so yeah, I, I think the thing I really appreciated about phenomenology is the beauty of it. It's such a beautiful research methodology because you're really trying to get to underlying meaning and what does a thing truly mean? Um, and you, exactly. you, you try to understand somebody else's lived experience. And I think that just creates a new way of interconnectedness, really trying to understand. I mean, you try to understand yourself. Yes. Um, but really trying to understand yes. somebody else from a phenomenological perspective is, yeah, it's quite beautiful. I, I found it to be, I found it to be creating more connections with people in that way. You know, so it was really um, a worthwhile journey to go through, you know, to spend six months of your life going through this process. I think it was definitely yeah. a worthwhile thing to do. You came up with these themes, you, you went through the process, and then you understood yourself better in terms of your desire to be a, a biotech entrepreneur. 
So how have you applied this knowledge now? So you, you understand yourself a bit, but how have you applied it? It's actually a difficult one because I'm, I'm, I sat with the same type of, you know, what you've mentioned now, you're in the mining industry and then how do these things, you know, translate to that? And I sat with that same challenge, you know, in, in how do these concepts now relate to that? And so maybe a longer, long answer now to this question is, is also you cannot see these things in isolation. And to apply that was I need to look at the linkages. I need to look at the interrelatedness of these themes. And then out of that, they were unified into a global theme because that's the only way I could, I could really orientate myself uh, to see that, okay, so what? Answering that question, what does all of this mean? And I called it the performative manifestation of being. That's the major theme that came out of this that, you know, symbolizes the active experience of my, what I'm going on inside of with the ongoing search for, for this character development and also fostering this clarity of, of by action and continuous reflection, which seems to sustain desire in a high risk entrepreneurial endeavor. So, so through that, I thought it was not only for entrepreneurship, it was to any practice where you seek a desired outcome. Yeah, and, and, and how does this whole experience make you think differently? How has it changed you? Yeah, Pietro, it was, I think it's not just this experience. If we can go back, the last assignment, the Frenesis development practice was, was actually the, the prerequisite for my study. I felt like it. It was, I had to, it wasn't only, okay, I've identified the essences of the phenomenon. But you can't see that in isolation. You have to infuse that with your own values, with your own character and, and your, your development of yourself. And through all those you know, wisdom, practice of wisdom, or I think what we've done through the PDP practice. And so how I see things differently is now trying to, although we've learned of, of you know, we've called it multiple perspectives, but it was, was actually very valuable. It was the idea of, reflecting and contemplating a lot on myself uh, combined with collective information from my relational engagements with other people. Um, I'm looking at that now, you know, with an elevated awareness of not to take, take things for granted, not to, you know, with, with continuous reflection while I'm busy with, with things and not only in business, uh, any project that I you know, and I want to do or things that I'm busy with, not to take things for granted, be a bit more aware of what are you really busy with. And out of that comes appreciation and gratefulness. Yeah, I think I think the whole reflective practice and the phrenesis development uh, that we work that we did in understanding yourself as a leader, but trying to be a virtuous leader, you know, you're trying to be somebody who's going to do the right thing, um, but then really trying to understand what that looks like and what it means for you. For because for each person, it might be something different, you know. Yes. And yes. I think that's that was for me the most valuable part of the two years was just really understanding, you know, what drives me and what 
what are my values and what's what will work for me and what won't work for me and I think that helps a lot with um, deciding what you're going to be spending your time on in the future as well it's very it's like a filter um, that you can then go okay well this this either resonates with me or it doesn't or it lines with my purpose or it doesn't but if you don't know what your purpose is or or at least what you're aspiring to become then it's very difficult to choose a direction to go into the future so yeah, yeah. I thought I thought those studies were very very useful so you you were trying to study your your desire to be an entrepreneur. Did you have to then go and define what desire means for you? Did you did you do a bit of work into that? Yes, yes, I I had to, and and it was I first I first had to look at you know what the different ontologies of desire, which ontology is is, is more of is more aligned with what I think my feelings of desire and and how i experience this desire and um i came up with it as a you know as as defined as the actions that are taken in response to a projection of what is imagined the the potentiality because that served me well during my entrepreneurial um venture um and it's so th- those actions taken in conformity with what is what your desire but what is imagined the potentiality of what could be to to change to what is while i'm immersed in the flow of this practice uh in essence it's a yeah it it there has to be action has to be be taken in response to to that it almost sounds like you had a desire to change the world, you know, to change and in that potential to be able to change the world and you wanted to make something happen which was meaningful and purposeful. Yes, it is. It's based on a, another ontology of becoming. It's a way of existence. It's a way of being to act, think and feel towards something that you want, that you really, you know, that you feel with your whole being, this is something that I want, uh, but yeah. in a certain purposeful goal-directed way. Yeah. No, I mean, this has been a really interesting conversation for me. Um, is there any sort of last message you'd like to put out there into the world? Um, if you had a giant billboard and you just wanted to get one message across, you know, is there anything else that you, in preparation for this podcast, wanted to get across? I had a misconception with regards to good enough. And I think when you feel you have that felt sense of what you are doing and the sacrifices that you are making in in the actions that you are taking with this dream that you are following or what you want to do to that you think is meaningful and worthwhile doing and you keep on reflecting on it by infusing your own values to to that that keeps on confirming that this is something good this is something worthwhile doing I think this is the closest you can get to get to truthfulness, to, to get what is what truth means to you. Yeah, so yeah, the, the, and, that, and that was the transformation that we went through over the last two years is to really understand yourself. Yeah. So this has been a really um, insightful conversation for me. So thanks very much for making your time available, Moritz. Thanks for spending, spending half an hour with me in the studio this morning. Thank you, Pietro. I, I enjoyed it and, and this journey with, with uh, doing this journey with you as well. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. You've been listening to another production from Solid Gold Podcasts.